Welcome to Forward to the Future, a podcast of conversations on leadership and education administration. In our first season, we will be interviewing retiring superintendents who are members of LUDA, the Large Unit School District Association in Illinois. Our host is Dr. John Berkey, former teacher, principal, and superintendent. Dr. Berkey is currently the executive director of the Large Unit District Association of Illinois. And now, here is our show. Well, today I would like to welcome Dr. Julie Morris, who is the superintendent of the Harlem School District. And uh, she is actually getting ready to retire this year after a number of years as superintendent in Harlem. So, Julie, yes. welcome today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad so, to be here. So you've actually been superintendent uh, for quite a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we kind of talk about superintendent years, like you know, they say dog right. years, people, you're, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, people, people don't stay in the superintendency usually for a number of years, but right. how, how long have you been in Harlem? I've been the superintendent in Harlem for 14 years. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a phenomenal achievement in itself. Yeah. Uh, being in yeah. one place for, for, for that long and mm-hmm. certainly lends to stability and leadership. But what, yes. what did you do before you were superintendent in Harlem? Before I was superintendent in Harlem, I started in Harlem as the assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. And then before that, I was a, I'm a high school person, um, okay. my building life. And I, was, I worked at um, uh, Hananiga for 10 years or mm-hmm. so as the associate assistant principal. And then before that, I was in East Aurora. So I've had a, a pretty big, uh, pretty wide spectrum of experiences. So what did you, what did you teach when you were a high school teacher? I taught, um, well, back then it was called home economics, but now it's family and consumer mm-hmm. science, um, child care programs, and food service. So okay. it, that career and tech ed background. Two, two things that a superintendent deals with quite a bit. So Absolutely. that's a great background. So yeah. when you were teaching, what, what made you decide to go into administration? And then ultimately, mm-hmm. what made you decide to want to become a superintendent? Well, I always knew, I mean, I loved education and um, I knew I wanted to be within education. And I knew that 30 plus years was a long time. And I loved teaching. And, but I wanted to do, I, I wanted a broader spectrum, I think is what, and so I talked, I talked with my mentor, I talked with different people and really found that leadership. I was landed in a department chair role pretty early on in my, in my career and decided that, you know, I think I'd like to move toward administration. So I did work on my, got my master's degree moved into administration pretty early in my career. I was um, five years as a, six years as a teacher and then moved into administration from there. And then as time went by, I thought, you know, my goal is really, um, I I want to leave my vision or, you know, I want to really, um, I, I just wanted to progress in that role. And I thought that being a superintendent really was my ultimate goal. So I, I, from the beginning of my administration career, I really had my eyes set on becoming a superintendent one day. And so then I moved into my doctorate and you know, all those mm-hmm. things that you do to get there. So, so yeah. yeah well, I, you know, I know somebody kind of, some, some people kind of get there by accident where they're right. in a job and the right mm-hmm. thing comes open or whatever. So yeah. in some people, it's a very purposeful career right. path. So uh, yes. let, let me ask you one question. So, you know, we're very fortunate 
today that we have more women, we have more people of color mm-hmm. that are becoming superintendents. But when you I, became superintendent of Harlem uh, uh, back 14 years ago, it wasn't quite as prevalent to have as many women as superintendents. No. Did you did you see any deal with any specific kind of challenges? or people accepting of you being a, a woman, or did you feel that you had to lead any differently because of that? I, yes, I mean, being a female in uh, administration in general, but then in the superintendency was really very interesting. I mean, I was the first female superintendent in the Harlem School District, and we were around for a hundred years and um, no people of color were ever in that position as well. So it was kind of new ground, new territory. And I, I had established, half, after being there for three years already, I had established a sense of trust with, with the community and with the staff and the board at that time. Um, and so it was really, uh, it was, I probably didn't see as many questions or as, as much as other people, but just the little, you know, there's the little microaggressions and the little things that you just you just kind of learn to live with and to deal with and to step you know step in front of um, as you're going through the career, but nothing overt. Uh, I think that there we were. My district was in turmoil quite a bit before, and so I came in and kind of we we were able to establish a more um, calming environment. So I think that helped in my great scheme of being a female in the position. Well, I think we can say you're a trailblazer because I think, uh, you know, yes. the, the, the women who became superintendents uh, when it was less prevalent than it is today are, mm-hmm. are you know, really helped set the stage for where today um, we have so many more women and people of color in the job. And we need to yes. obviously even continue to do that more because our, our leaders certainly need to reflect what our student populations Yes. Uh, what our student populations uh, represent. So, yeah, so really let's look to. back. Let's look back on your career of uh, you know from your, both your superintendency, but your your building leadership. What are um, some of the big um, pieces of advice, the big leadership lessons that yeah. you could impart to our listeners from a from a very rich uh, career of leadership? Yeah. I think that even early on, even as a teacher, I learned early on because I was, I had a, um, I had a preschool program within the childcare program. So I was kind of a leader in that respect because my students were, I saw them as the teachers and I was kind of the administrator. And what I even learned early on is that I can't do this alone. You know, you can't do the job alone. And learning um, and getting to know and, and, and empowering the people around you to do their job um, while, you know, holding the vision and holding the mission of whatever organization that you're working for and empowering them and, and letting them do their job is really important. You know, I'm not a person, um, even as a superintendent, I obviously don't know everything, but sometimes we think we need to as the person in charge. You need to be strong and you need to be, you know, be able to do do it all and to know everything. And I think that um, as a leader, you, uh, you earn more respect by, um, by knowing, number one, knowing that you don't know everything. And number two, 
um, just letting people know that, you know, I hired you to be the expert in business or whatever the, the case may be. And I'm here to support. I'm here to hold accountable. I'm here to learn um, and to, of course, um, give my, you know, I'm the, I, I take responsibility. I'm the person in charge. So I need to take the responsibility of it. So I need to know what's going on, but, but I need to let people do their job, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just be the know-it-all, um, the person who just thinks that they know it all because everyone knows you don't. So um, when you, when you try to act like you do it, it you, you, you lack the ability to gain trust from people. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned along the way is that, oh, you know, I never even thought about that. Um, and so, and that came even when I was teaching, you know, putting a, an idea out there for students to take hold of it and to say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. So had I not put it out there, I may not have had such a rich experience or the organization may not have been able to have as rich of an experience. So I think in the end, that is, you know, that is one of the biggest lessons. Another lesson I think that is so important is that idea of respect and equity. Um, and, and I think that the, the concept of respect, um, people take that that for granted and it's almost like a cliche. Well, of course I respect people. Well, that doesn't always happen. And so respecting people for who they are and what they bring to the table is so important as even with kids that, you know, that deficit model that people, that thinking, the deficit model of an employee or of a student or anybody, um, when you go into it that way uh, and think that they don't know things or they don't or they can't or whatever, um, that is just, you know, detrimental to everybody. And so I think that's another really important lesson that I would like to, you know, to share with others is that, that respecting people for what they bring to the table and then building from that. And so then you address um, challenges and concerns that you may have around that, as opposed to just driving straight for you're not doing this right or you can't do this. Um, It's really about building that trust, that trusting relationship in order to help that person grow. Because my job as the superintendent is to help others to coach or to mentor or to whatever the term is at that moment to help people grow and to be their better self. Um, And so that's really how I've addressed the job and how I've um, built my career is that really um, helping those around me be better at what they are. And then I also work on myself to be better, um, a better person. Because in the end, you can learn the stuff. You know, I can learn stuff. Anyone can learn stuff. Um, But being able to interact and honor the people in front of you um, and and, uh, respect those around you, that has to be the number one thing. So if I could ask you um, along those lines, how do you find the right people? Do you have a, a specific things you look for that you found have been effective? Because you're so right about uh, being surrounded by really good people and a, and a good team is so important, but you got to get those right people in the first place. Right, right. 
I think that was a lot of learning along the way, you know, some not so great hires along the way and trying to figure out a process. Um, but I think that the number one thing that, that I really look for is integrity in the person. Um, and again, that seems like, well, of course you do, but we don't always look for that. You know, we're looking for that person frequently who um, has all the technical fixes and the technical knowledge. Um, but it's really, again, you can learn that and you can um, figure that out based on, uh, but, you're, but, but really finding that person with the integrity, the work ethic, and the caring for others um, is really, are really the top three things that, that really have to come out in that process, in that interview process. And for me, the way that I've done it along the way is that, again, it can't just be me. It has to be several different people in that process helping work through, um, you know, an interview process, for example. You know, it, it's really taking a look at what do we need as a district? What, are, what, do, what do I need as a district when I'm hiring, say, a principal or a district-level administrator? And then it's, then it's about the next step is about what do the people um, in that place, what is their, you know, what do they need? So as a principal, it's really bringing it to first, first looking at, from my perspective, as a district person, then it's looking at the colleagues that they're going to be working with and getting that input and really, again, vetting out where's that integrity, where's that work ethic, where's that um, really ability to care for and really want to be working with students and other people. And then, um, then that the building, you know, the building person, really what, what do they need? And so I need to involve them in the process somehow if it's feedback or if it's in interviews or whatever, but I need that feedback from, from other people um, in order to just, in order for me to make that decision. So, no, thank you. So when you look back at your leadership career, what is a situation that you faced that was just really one of the most particularly challenging that stands out to you? And and how did you, um, how did your leadership skills help you navigate I think one of the most difficult things that I had to do as a superintendent um, when back in the 2009 crash, 2010, you know, when the whole, the whole world came crashing down financially um, and how it affected schools and the state and, and uh, we were starting to see a trend of, of course, financial peril down the road if we didn't do something pretty dramatic. And so I, along with my assistant superintendent for business, um, had to really make some tough recommendations to the school board. And that involved, you know, releasing a lot of staff members um, and really taking a look at our, our systems and how, how we can still efficiently do what we do so that we can still have the product that we need to have for our students, yet do it in a manner that was much more financially efficient. And so we, you know, I had to bring forward um, the reduction of many, many staff in a, in a recommendation. And that, you know, you know that, is, that is one of the toughest things to do. That along with, you know, having to bring a recommendation to expel a student because the staff, um, 
that's their livelihood, their people, you know, and again, and that human factor is so hard, but it's really focusing on what we needed to do, um, working with our union um, through that, working with the board, having compassion as we had to make those, you know, make those, that final decision and let people know that their job was going to be ending. Um, that is probably one of the most difficult things that I've had to do. Well, you know, and those are, those reductions are so tough because one, they're definitely going to affect staff, as you mentioned, and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a good organization, school district, it's like a family and it's, it's family members right. that you're having to let go. But it also, when you reduce staff, so affects students as well. And that's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is, you're absolutely right. When economic, uh, uh, tough economic yeah. decisions have to be made. It, it's very challenging, but that is part of uh, that is part yeah. of leadership at different yes. uh, at different times. Yes. So, um, diversity and equity is just mm-hmm. such an important part of what uh, of what we do in schools. And and you know, quite frankly, I don't think that always has been at the forefront as much as it mm-hmm. needs to be. And I think mm-hmm. we are really moving forward in education, and we're realizing that it's not just an issue in very diverse districts. It's an issue in all districts where uh, we need to uh, really be focused on not just talking about it, but, 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 but truly acting um, to change some of the, the systems and structures that we have. What, what's, I know it's an issue you've been very passionate about. Mm-hmm. What are some of the experiences you've had in leadership to help advance um, equity okay. and um, for students? Well, in Harlem, we have a very, um, very, um, what can I say, long history of working on this matter. Um, As I walked into my role as the superintendent, uh, one of the first things I was faced with was a federal mediation with a concerned minority parent advocacy group, because there had been a long history of of racial and, and students with special needs. It was those two groups who were really um, really focused on making change. And they were kept hitting walls and kid, kept hitting walls trying to advocate for their children. And so when it came to that, um, you know, I, I had been in the district for three years prior, so I knew a little bit of the history and I knew that it just wasn't, nothing seemed to be working. We weren't able to move forward and weren't able to work with each other. And so when this opportunity came forward, I took the opportunity and when, um, you know, the Department of Justice calls and says there's an issue, um, that's that kind of just puts you in a, in a state. But I said, absolutely, I would be interested in, in entering into federal mediation as opposed to just going the filing a lawsuit route. Um, and so we, we put together teams. We worked really hard. It was very emotional. It was very, my role as a superintendent at that moment was to was to own everything that had happened for the 100 years prior, because that's my job as a superintendent, whether I was there or not. And so so accepting that and moving forward, and we we came with a plan, we did, you know, eventually come forward with a plan. And that really started, that really kickstarted our racial equity work in the district. And so we we, uh, actually worked with an outside company, brought them in, to really focus on helping us learn the tools to have the conversation. Because as I stated earlier, 
we have to learn, I have to learn who I am as a person, a racial being. And as a white person, we don't not typically consider ourselves to be racial beings because, you know, we don't think about that. And so it's really learning how to, as a predominantly white school district, um, we were at the time 80, 82% um, white, and we are now 72% white. Um, but at the time we were, you know, we're still predominantly a white school district with predominantly white staff. And so we really had to learn the tools and become conscious um, so that we could become culturally responsive. And so we're learning those tools along the way, how to have conversation, how to have tough conversation, how to, it's a personal journey first, and then it's an organizational journey as well. And so we've worked really hard in our school district to come to that point. Um, and we have our students engaged, we have you know, so many people engaged in that, in that process. And, and oh, well, that's it, it showed in our, yeah, our graduation rate pre-COVID. Um, we raised the three years prior, we raised our graduation rate by 10 points and we closed the achievement gap and every racial group increased. So when we talk about, you know, talk about, well, we're only focused on race. We're only focused on our black students. No, when you're focused on that, you're focused to everyone moves. And so it's not a, you know, it's not a take from one to give to the other. It's when you're focused on equity, everyone wins. And, and that, that was shown even through our data. No, I think those are great points. And I, you know, I know you, you've done, you have done some phenomenal work there, as you described in Harlem that uh, you should be proud of. So let me, let me morph into the next question. I asked you a minute ago to talk about a challenging situation, yes. but now I'd like you to, when you look back on your career, what is the one thing, if you had to pick one that you're just like, I am just really most proud that I was either able to accomplish it or you were able to be involved in it. What, what would that be? I, I think that what I am most proud of, and as I'm, you know, looking toward retirement, and people, of course, know that, and um, people are thankful for, for um, the sense of dignity and the sense of respect that has been established in our school district under my leadership. And so where, I, where I've been in every situation that I've been in, um, and I've been in four school districts, that has been my legacy. My legacy is to, um, to really, to know that, it's hard to explain, to, to, for people to understand that I have honored them and that they are respected and um, that they are good people and deserve to be respected. I mean, no, I think it's, it's that for me, it's as simple as that. And I think that's a really important legacy and a, a great legacy to have. So, so we've spent this time talking about you and your leadership, but you know, all leaders always look to others and, and who inspires them. So my question to you is, who's a leader that you, uh, you really look up to and has inspired you? You know, I thought a lot about that question and, you know, I've been, it isn't even an education leader. It's really, um, uh, um, and I just lost. I just lost my train of thought. 
It's it's women women leaders in general who have stepped out there. It's not any one specific person, because as a female leader, there were. It's it's it was it was really very tough, you know, being a female leader in this type of a role in a predominantly male space, and so when I see other women um, who just step out there, and for example, the equity work that we've achieved and that we've worked on, that's a dangerous thing to do in many cases, honestly, when you're talking, when you bring race into the picture. And so knowing that that had to be done for the sake of my students um, and my staff and my community, I think just looking at other women who just took the chance and just put it out there um, and did it in the way that they that they did it and didn't conform to how the the male world expected it to be. So I don't know if that's a good answer, but in the no, end, I, I I think that's a great I yeah, think that's a great answer, and I think it's uh, you can be proud that you've been added to that list of, of female so. leaders that I'm sure others are going to look to, and as we talked about earlier, kind of a trail mm-hmm. blazer. So, so thank you, and uh, we, always, we always end each podcast with a leadership quote. So the leadership quote uh, today is actually from somebody everyone knows, uh, General uh-huh. Colin Powell, who was the Joint yeah. Chiefs of Staff during the first uh Iraq war, and then later was Secretary of State under uh, under George Bush. And uh, the quote from him that we have today is he said, great leaders are almost always great simplifiers who can cut through argument, debate, and doubt to offer a solution everybody can understand. And I just thought that was a good quote because oh, yeah. sometimes a leader needs to be able to frame debate in a way that yeah. is very understandable to people. And all leaders aren't always really effective at, at, at doing that. So yes. thought that was a really good, uh, really good thought quote from, uh, from General Powell. And with yes. that, um, uh, Dr. Julie Morris, want to really thank you, Julie, for being with us today. And of course, uh, congratulations on your retirement. I know you're going to still be involved after you retire with the same kind of work that we talked about today. And yes. we look forward to seeing you around Illinois and maybe other parts of the country uh, as you advance this work. So thank you thank again you. for joining us today. Thank you. It was so nice to be here.